hello there and welcome back to the show. Today, what we're doing is I've taken a recording from Confidence Week that I've been running this week. We had a special bootcamp mentor panel conversation this week, and I thought it was so much more than just Confidence Week that I wanted to share it with all of you. So what we're going to do is listen to the panel. I have two folks who've been through bootcamp and are now peer mentors in the program. And we talk on, we touch on a lot of different topics, but the biggest theme that goes through it is going from that feeling imposterish, which so many of us do, going from that feeling to embracing seeing ourselves as leaders coming through and feeling that confidence. Now, this is a longer episode today. We're getting into the hour territory, so you may want to listen to it and then put a little bookmark to come back to it later. If that's too much to listen in one go, that is perfectly fine. But really have a listen to it. I do encourage you to listen to the whole thing because we do touch on a lot of different topics that you'll want to hear about in terms of feeling more confident and how to balance high expectations with that self-compassion, giving yourself space to grow. We get into topics like celebrating your wins as much as getting out of your comfort zone. And we definitely speak to how do you even make time and, and why is it important to make time and space for personal and professional development when it just feels like there's absolutely, absolutely no time to get that done. And a couple of times throughout the conversation, we touch on aspects of boot camp. So if you've been thinking about boot camp, it's on your mind or on your heart to check it out, then you really want to listen to this and hear what Jennifer and Leslie have to say about their experiences because they're going to be your mentors in the program. So you get a chance to listen to them. So with that, Let's kick things off and get it started. Well, hey there, I'm Liz St. Jean, and this is the Rise in Your 9 to 5 podcast, where I help quietly ambitious leaders who want to have meaningful and fulfilling careers, making an impact in the world. It's where strategy meets intuition to become a better leader with more joy, less stress, and endless impact. So let's break free from perfectionism, imposter thoughts, and that inner rule keeper that keeps you in a career comfort zone. It's time to become unapologetically you and step into the life you are meant to live. We're going to talk presence, productivity, and having it all. Or as my four-year-old would say, we're going to take over the world. So let's get to it. I have Jennifer and Leslie here who have been bootcamp members and then became mentors in bootcamp. And I believe, Leslie, you've done it a couple of rounds now. And Jennifer, at least once, if not twice, once now or twice. They have lots of experience doing bootcamp and so they've been through the bootcamp itself. So if we want to touch on questions on that, we can, but also a lot of the concepts around cultivating your confidence and really doing that self-discovery journey that we're all here for. So for those of you watching and don't know me by now, I'm Liz St. Jean. I have the Mint Ambition and I work with quietly ambitious professionals. And my area of specialty is around helping people with internal promotion. So positioning yourself for a promotion within your own organization. A lot of it applies to external as well, but my particular specialty is around internal. So with that, let's start with Jennifer. Let's start with you introducing yourself and then we'll go over to Leslie. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> My name is Jennifer Spire, and I um, work as the, the Director of Graduate Affairs um, at a university in Pennsylvania. And I, you're right, Liz, I've been working with you, I think, maybe two go around in your, with your work. And I, I just have to say that, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to be here tonight because you have been such a help and an inspiration to me. I sort of found you through one of the boot camps that you did about working in a toxic work space. And, um, you know, for me, it was something that really resonated for me at the time. And I thought, I'm just going to learn about this. I don't, I don't know exactly where it's going to lead me. And I think now two and a half years later, I have transitioned out of that particular role into another internal job in my same organization through the support of both you and 
Leslie and other mentors and and other people in the boot camp and and through the group and it's really been helpful. So I'm happy to be able to give back and answer some questions tonight. So I'm really excited to be here and thanks. Awesome and. Jennifer gets the congrats as well. When she transitioned, she also negotiated herself an increase in salary. Okay, Leslie, let's hear from you. Well, good evening, folks, or afternoon, depending on where people are. My name is Leslie Cordella, and I am from the D.C. area. I live in Virginia, and I come to you from the federal world, so not the private sector. And so I am a biologist, a wildlife biologist by trade. But through my career of 20 years in the federal government, I've really come to navigate through many waters of confusion about how to become a leader. What does leadership look like? It's not always a promotion. And and so I've really gotten a lot out of working with Liz over the past few years through uh, bootcamp realms and mastermind, uh, where I've been able to externally process a lot of my thoughts. So I've had trouble a lot just focusing on some of the the assignments, but I've had to go back to them several times over, and that's actually a very helpful tactic. And uh, being part of the program and being a mentor in the program really allows me to go through that and externally process it with other people who also benefit from doing the same thing. And over the time, I've really become more comfortable in speaking to a lot of people, especially virtually. I've become comfortable taking on detail roles and positions that I never would have imagined I would have done as a wildlife biologist. And it's just slowly given me the confidence to step outside of my usual comfort zone and learn to embrace the qualities that I have, learn to embrace the values that I bring to the table. And and doing that in the federal world, which is a little bit different. And, And I will say that Liz is, she works with both. She works with both worlds, the private sector and the federal uh, or in the the non-private. So it's a really good portfolio to be able to work with somebody like that. Well, it's awesome to have you both here. So appreciate it. And Leslie used a term. This is something that I've been um, playing with realizing that a lot of people who come through kind of joining this uh, never woulda club. I never would have done that before. And I always think about it. It's not a perfect analogy, but if anyone watched Friends, if anyone remembers the episode where Jennifer Aniston, Rachel, um, starts living with Joey and she has a spaghetti and she drops the spaghetti on the floor and he's just like, eh, no problem. And she's like, I've never lived like this before. And I feel like we get a lot of that from the never would, I never would have done that before. And that's part of this journey. And so everyone here who's here live to you're Clearly, you are also on this journey of change and transformation, and that's part of what growth is, right? Like if every six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24, however long, you're like, wow, I never would have done that before. Like if that is part of your journey, then we know we're having growth, right? We're we're growing and we're trying new things, getting out of the comfort zone. So I love those intros. What I want to kick it off with is kind of like, let's just jump right into the deep end of this stuff. And with the question around imposterism. So whether it's imposter thoughts, imposter syndrome, or as one person, I loved how you phrased it was feeling imposterish. And I would love to hear from both of you one at a time, but just talk a little bit about how you've navigated either time where you might have felt imposterish before and how you shifted to more embracing that label of being a leader and embracing that role of leadership, whether it's positional or otherwise or informal. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So uh, let's start with Leslie and then go to Jennifer. Scenarios where I have felt imposterish. Well, I typically do like to share my thoughts, so I'm very outspoken. but I always question whether those thoughts were uh, beneficial to a conversation uh, or or if they would add value. And so I would sort of subdue myself in a lot of meetings that was reinforced by an external factor, which was in one area that I worked, was actually told to be quiet because I was not a leader in the meeting. And that just sort of fed into me and I felt sort of trained to not speak up. Uh, And then I realized how wrong that was and that people did actually want to hear what I had to say. And over time, you know, I took little steps 
to to get more comfortable with my own voice and stepping over my own voice and making mistakes and sometimes rambling, but then recognizing I'm rambling. And through the process, through boot camp, through mastermind, through a lot of the discussions that we've had, I hear about other people having the same issues. And you start to learn to listen to, well, I don't know, this is a preview, but your mentor on your shoulder, you have an inner mentor. And it's not just that voice that's telling you you shouldn't be there. There are other voices in there too, in your head that you should listen to. This sounds crazy, doesn't it? Listen to all of the voices in your head. Because that one that tells you you shouldn't be there is just, it's just the loudest. It doesn't mean it's the right one. And so it, it took practice. But now I'm actually very open if I feel imposterous. In fact, I will give you an example of just this summer. I found myself in a meeting with a bunch of senior leaders, and it was a topic that we've not really tackled before. And so we all felt a little bit new and green. And I actually offered to everybody, I said, by the way, if you're feeling like you have imposter syndrome just being at this table, please join me. I feel that way too, but I've decided to not listen to that voice. And I've decided to say, I have something to add here. And I had a lot of people come up to me afterwards, senior leaders, you know, up, up there beyond me say, thank you for saying that because they felt the same way. This is a universally felt feeling and hearing people say that and being open about it is, uh, that's where I am in my journey. And that seems to be very helpful. So I went from wanting to quiet myself, even though I really want to talk a lot, to embracing what I can bring to the table, knowing that I can bring something to the table, even if I don't know what it is right away. I think, you know, I think I I, I definitely second a lot of what Leslie said. And I think, you know, what what this work has done for me, in addition to that, as it is is that it has allowed me to be in a safe space that has put me in a room with really strong leaders and intelligent, well-spoken women who I'm seeing feel similarly and help me to recognize that the thoughts that I'm having are actually on point and valuable and make sense. And then I feel confident sharing them in those spaces that make me feel confident then to share them in workspaces that feel more safe. And, you know, as I transitioned into my new role, for me personally, you know, a lot of it was about wanting to work in a place where I felt as though they wanted me. And that for me was really important. And so when I went through the journey of of applying for a new position and going through the application process and being hired by somebody who I felt wanted me, that helped me to to overcome a little bit of that imposter syndrome. I mean, I feel like I have a lot of the things that Leslie spoke to, but um, I, I feel myself reminding myself in my head that you know, they, they wanted me in the room. They brought me here for a reason. They believed that I, you know, had um, the skill set and the knowledge base to, to be a valuable asset at the table. And so now I can speak up and, and being part of this group and, and utilizing the tools that Liz shares allowed me to know when to speak up and, and what, and when not to speak up, when to listen and, and when to, um, you know, really just um, utilize my strengths. And so I feel like that's, that's been um, really important for me in this space of imposter syndrome and really recognizing that every single person experiences that. And when you start to watch people and, and you, and you speak it, you recognize that every person at every level feels a version of that. And so you just have to kind of own that and then work your way through it and however works best for you, I think. Yeah, so I'm hearing two big themes, probably multiple, but two big themes. One of them being that kind of a combination of recognizing that lots of people feel this, you both highlighted that. And then also being open, opening up that space for conversation. 
which also fits with the, um, you know, we have having these conversations. So a takeaway for everyone is being able to find a place where you can have that safe conversation where you feel like you can just, you know, put down any masks or any armor and be able to be able to share openly and have those open conversations. And then a second part that I'm hearing too, is it, it's almost like a calibration, right? Like finding a way like um, through self-observation, which for today's part of cultivate your confidence, right? It's all about self-observation and being really neutral, like observing with curiosity, neutrality, and just learning and, and then calibrating and be like, oh, I can speak up more here. Or in some cases, <laughs> for anyone who's who's more extroverted, but like, ah, oh, there's other places where I can show up with listening, um, and it's and it's learning that and practicing it. So we've got a couple of comments here. Um, yeah, Valerie's saying it's reassuring for sure to know that it's a universal feeling, absolutely. And then she'd added, we got here as well in the Q&A about a personal struggle is doubting myself, my credibility, my abilities to do my job well, even though it's always gone well enough. I know, right? Can everyone like relate to that? Like everything's gone fine. And yet I doubt myself, like another universal experience, is, you know, the imposter syndrome uh, are related. You know, I've mostly had positive reviews, got promoted, got new jobs. Um, and no matter what I accomplish or achieve, I still doubt myself every day and have anxiety that something might come up and I won't be able to take care of it, right? Really, I'm sure you just saw Jennifer and, and Leslie kind of smiling and nodding myself too, right? Really universal. And um, so she's kind of putting it out there in the universe, not really a specific question, but looking for advice. And um, I'll turn to the mentors. But one thing I will say for anyone who identifies with this, just know that you are you are not alone. And usually what it uh, often what I find with clients is that it speaks to the level of integrity, the desire to make impact. Right. We all heard Leslie talk about making contribution. Right. It's about like, am, am I going to be having that impact? Am I making contribution? We really care about the work that we're doing. So then we start worrying and, and wondering about it. So it's a nat natural experience. So um, let's hear from Jennifer first. Any thoughts that came up for you when, when hearing that comment? And then we'll go to Leslie. I, I can't remember if this was an exercise that we did, Liz, or, or if I did it somewhere else. But I feel like it must have been you, but but maybe not. That somebody said to me once, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like if you go in and, and you, you do get fired or, or you don't, you can't do that, you know, then what? And, and I will say I, I do, cause I'm definitely the person that, that vocalizes every day. I'm going to be fired today, <laughs> even, you know, two months into my new job. I mean, it's just the words come out of my mouth. I can't really help it. And so, um, but I, I, I have really started that practice of really believing like, should something happen and I, I don't end up here, like what's the alternative? And it does help me to see that I would be okay. You know, I have really strong skills. I am good at my job. And if for some reason things didn't work out, it's not all about me. It's about the circumstances or it's about the situation or something else. And I would go on to do bigger and better things in other places. And it, it's really shifted my mindset a lot. And so that's kind of, I feel like at least how I've been managing a lot of those same feelings <laughs> that um, you, you put in that question. Yeah. And um, it's very possible you also did this with someone else, but I, I actually, re I remember that session in that group and um, because it's a great question. Like it, you can, if you, you're thinking about um, a situation about how it might go wrong and it can be really interesting just to like get to a place where you sit back, like, well, what if that happened? Okay. And just think through it, but kind of thinking through it from like, okay, so what would, what would that look like? And being able to separate the, the thinking and the planning from the emotion. And sometimes it takes a little bit to, it can take a bit to get there. If that feels like the thought and the emotion are too kind of tightly entwined, that's really, really natural as well, but getting to a place where we can separate it out and see it. So this isn't about always being, you know, perfectly, you know, rational and thought thinking and logical, but being able to get to a place where we can see both sides and be able to step into that. Okay, so what would happen if I got fired? Well, okay, this is this is what it would be. And then, then you can start asking your question like, well, how likely is it really? Is it is it actually likely? 
and being honest, starting to be really honest with yourself and being able to get to a place where emotionally you can have that honest conversation with yourself. And Catherine says, that was so helpful as I'm concerned about my boss, not liking my input, but if he doesn't like my input, maybe I should be where my input is valued. Need to try to embrace that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Leslie, what's coming up for you? Yeah, so um, I like to look at when I'm spinning out and I'm starting to feel the anxiety and wondering if I'm the right person for this detail or this role, um, I'd like to think of where I was 10 years ago or where I was 20 years ago. If somebody asked me to do what I do now, even just five years ago, I think I might've freaked out. And so today, for example, I ran, I ran a, a budget meeting, which I've never done, with a bunch of people who are leaders of other programs in my federal agency. And I did a lot of prep work. I practiced talking about it, uh, but I still felt like I was kind of nervous and spinning out a little bit before the meeting. What I started to do was a practice that we have done before and what Liz has asked us to do before is remember those moments when you can remember a time five years ago, 10 years ago, when something like this would have just terrified you or something that you would have done, something that you've gotten better at. Like you've done this before, you have done this before. It didn't look like this. It maybe wasn't with those same people, but what you're nervous about and scared about right now You've actually done it before. It just looked a little different. Or maybe there were 10 fewer people. Or maybe the subject was something different. Um, and so I like to think of those incremental improvements over time. My resilience, my strength, my ability has slowly <laughs> gotten better over time. So when I think about where I was and I look backward, that's where my confidence can come from. That's what I've often used to combat that feeling of imposterism, whatever we're calling it. Um, when you're climbing a mountain, everybody looks upward, but it's really important to look back to see how far you've come. And that is amazing. You can think about that. I, I just offer that as a way to reframe a situation to think about imposterism. Yeah, there's so much good stuff in there. Um, one, uh, one of my mentors says, I love this too, and, and to think about is that so often when we're, when we're feeling nervous and we're in that, you know, we all, and we've all been there, right? Like we've, we've all been there. <laughs> so you're spinning up about something. And when we really sit down to think about it, usually we can start to realize that we're mostly afraid of the emotional impact is usually what happens. We're really, that's what's nervous. What we're really nervous about is how we're going to feel, but then because it tight, it kind of intertwines with the, the circumstance and the thought and the emotion, right? To get to the cultivate your confidence um, work for today, actually, right? It all kind of intertwines and it's hard to separate out. So that's, can be really important to think about. Um, the other piece too, oh, Leslie, you, you were talking about, yeah, where we've been, Okay, I'll come back to me. There was another another good piece I wanted to tease out, but I it just it just left my brain. Happens to me a lot. <laughs> Which is all good. I will I will add to one of the things that I am afraid of is like what's the worst that could happen is what Jennifer was saying. To me, often the worst that could happen is being asked a question that I simply cannot answer. But I think of all the other times I've been asked a question that is very hard to answer and remembering to say remembering that it's okay to not know everything. And that's the pressure that I put on myself and that leads to my imposturism. Um, and today, for example, in the meeting, people asked a lot of questions I couldn't answer, but they didn't know the answers either. None of us do. This is what the research is that we're working on. So it presents an opportunity for all of us to grow in the room. Uh, and so not knowing something can sometimes lead or thinking you don't know something can lead to imposterism. Um, but remember, it's okay to not know everything. <laughs> that is such a fantastic point. And so for anyone who's watching, who comes out of a field where either, especially in the, the scientific fields, maybe the tech fields, but or anywhere where you might be a subject matter expert and you're making that shift 
from subject matter expert into a more leadership role, that can be really difficult because as we become leaders and especially as you uh, are actually moving up into higher level, more senior level leadership positions and executive positions, there's just no, um, usually there's no right or wrong. People don't know the answers and it's all about navigating that ambiguity and essentially making decisions in the face of not having enough information. And that is a really um, not a key skill, but also a, such a valuable skill, being able to make decisions without having all the information. And that, and that can be really difficult. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So let's see, I'm just going to go check. Okay, again, just another reminder for anyone who's ca uh, catching up live now, if you are here live with us, make sure to post any questions that you have either on Facebook, that's what I was just checking, or here in the Zoom room. Um, okay, we got another comment here. I work in human resources. I'm a director since January, and it comes with higher expectations than I'm used to. And it also means that I expect more of myself as well. Yeah, absolutely, those expectations. And so it's figuring out that place of balancing, right? I want to, I have these higher expectations. And then also I, want, I need to be kind to myself and give myself grace and self-compassion as I'm working, not just, so there's two things there, right? Having, being in a place where there's higher expectations and also being new at it, right? So there's multiple ways of, of um, being kind to ourselves as we're striving towards these higher expectations. Okay, one other, uh, another question I was curious about is, what is something that for the two of you that you do differently now that you've kind of gone through and especially for so the folks watching this are part of uh, cultivate your confidence and confidence week. And that, so that's a lot about, separate, you know, thinking about how am I seeing my, how am I thinking about things and how is that impacting my emotional, my emotions and my reactions to situations? Um, what, what is, if anything, but probably there's some things, what is different now for you? And when you first start this journey. So Jennifer, let's hear from you first and then Leslie. Well, I was I think one of the main reasons that I was drawn to working with you after that first boot camp is this idea of the energy levels and the energy work. And, and I think that speaks directly to this question because for me, um, I'm very self-aware. <laughs> um, and I am really, I really put a lot of pressure on myself with regard to how I react and how I act in certain circumstances. And so for me, I've really tried to um, spend a lot of time learning about and thinking about the various energy levels and how I bring myself and my energy to different scenarios and instead of reacting <laughs> to situations, how I can um, choose um, how I how I handle situations and not just let situations play out in a way that maybe they always have. And 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 if I choose to do something in a way that maybe I always have, then that's a choice that I've made, but not just do something because I always have. And I tend to be somebody who, you know, is um comes to things as a fighter, as as combative, I think is something that I tend to to do a lot. And so in the work that I've done here, I really um, stop and think about it and try to make a choice. And so that I feel like is something that um, I've I've made a change, a constant change, and um, really worked very hard to and continue to work hard to. And I feel like that's I, uh, part of part of this work, and I think this session, those of you who are here or maybe listening are maybe trying to decide if they're going to participate in one of your um, boot camps or or any of these things. And I think that, you know, one of the benefits for me has been being part of the group and really meeting all of the different people and getting to hear how different people manage 
these types of circumstances and how people learn. And so for me, you can go through the various energy levels and read them. And that's one thing, but actually practicing, this is a scenario and how would you handle it? And hearing how Leslie handles it, just listening to the cadence of Leslie's answers as a leader, you know, versus the cadence of my answers as a leader um, is helpful to me because I don't get to work with leaders that speak and talk like Leslie or other people or Liz always. And so to be in a room with eight to 10 people that have different leadership styles, but that I respect is really, really benefit has been really, really beneficial to me. And so that's been, I think something that's been really beneficial. Uh, thanks for sharing. And so for anyone who has not taken one of my workshops before, what Jennifer is talking there about is the energy levels, and it's a framework called the um, energy leadership, and there's seven energy levels. So just make sure you're there either live or the Thursday class, the Thursday live class, or catch the replay, and you'll learn all about them. I'll be sharing all about them. And then the other takeaway from what Jennifer shared is kind of reiterating, I think I was mentioning that earlier, is that, you know, whether you were working with me or not, but there's there's so much value in finding that safe group, finding a small group where you can open up. So if you have access to that somewhere, I, you know, myself and we've got Jennifer here as well, just highly encouraging it. I love Jennifer, what you said there too, about just getting into a space where you can, you, I love that phrase in the cadence, right? The cadence of other, but then also hearing other people's thoughts and their thought process and how they see a situation. Um, that's something that's also so beneficial as a leader, being able to, like, seeing other people's perspectives, but in a slightly different way. We often hear about that. You hear about that, especially in the emotional intelligence field, right? Leaders and emotional intelligence and being able to be empathetic towards others. But there's something slightly different about perspective taking, which is, like, really shifting into, so it's not just emotions. And it can not just be what empathetic or, like, you know, under... um stepping into their shoes from that place of like how they're feeling and how they're doing. There is that, but then there's also seeing, okay, how do they see things from a strategic perspective? How do they see things from what's important to them? How do they see things from what they're trying to accomplish for their teams? Like there's a holistic, there's a holistic aspect to it. It can be really beneficial. And that really grows when you're in a circle of people, when you're talking about when your topics come up and you get to hear those different perspectives um, and it's similar, but different to, so for anyone who attends, you know, I mean, I'm sure we all do, right? You attend lots of meetings, you hear different perspectives, but it's kind of different when you're in a meeting where you're kind of either negotiating or coming problem solving, like you're actually working on the problem. It's very different to go to a room where you're actually, you're, you're developing. It's the, it's metacognition of like learning about learning and learning how, thinking about how other people are learning. Um, and sometimes that can be challenging to do in an actual work environment, like right there in the room, because you're thinking about the actual problem versus finding a space where you can actually think about how you think about the problem. I know Leslie always laughs. I know she was like, okay, I talk about things at the meta, meta, meta level. And I always get a laugh out of her. Hey, okay. so Leslie, uh, your thoughts on, or you uh, share some of your stories about um, what's different for you. How do you approach what's things different. differently? Yeah. I think the biggest things that are different for me, and I mean, this is adding on to what Jennifer said, because everything she talked about with the energy levels, that's been hugely impactful for me. But there's the self-awareness piece of that that she talked about. Okay, so instead of just reacting and thinking that your emotional response is true, you can be more aware and, and really kind of separate yourself from that and still honor it. So I think one of the things that I like to do is when something doesn't go my way, when I feel potentially hurt or let down or disappointed, the past Leslie used to say, well, however I'm feeling, that's the truth. I'm hurt. Therefore, I should be hurt. Um, or why did they ask me to be part of this team? I shouldn't be here. Things like that. And then Liz might say to me, well, what do you think it could also mean? So she's not asking me to dishonor those initial feelings. What else could it mean? Okay. What do you want it to mean? What do you want it to mean? And I've started asking myself that question and what I want things to mean. I want things to mean something impactful, positive, honorable, uh, things that I can do to make this world a better place for all of us in wildlife and 
So that's that's a new tactic that I've really learned to embrace. Liz also talked about perspective taking. I don't know, as empathetic as I like to think I am, I don't know if I was always very well practiced at perspective taking. And going through the boot camp several times as a mentor gives me a lot more practice. And uh, that has been really impactful for me so that I, I no longer believe the stories I make up in my head about what other people might be thinking about my presentation or how I just explained something or the fact that I don't know the answer to something. So not believing all the stories that you come up with in your head, because we all do, everybody does. And I think this is one of Brene Brown's biggest things, you know, the story I'm telling myself is, you don't like what I'm saying right now. Why, why would I think that? <laughs> so I don't need to believe the stories that my brain just comes up with as a means to protect itself from disappointment. And being aware of that, that's a, that's a new thing. That's, that's something that I've been learning too. So those are changes that I've learned to make that I can point to from learning in this program amongst many others. <laughs> yeah, the stories, and this is, this is where, you know, we're halfway, kind of half-ish way through Cultivate Your Confidence. So everyone's, everyone who started the workbook, today's workbook, you're going to start seeing that around separating the thoughts. And I mentioned a couple times already, um, but we get into those stories. I and mean, it's so interesting when we start realizing, oh, the, the thoughts I have about a situation are different than the situation itself. And that's kind of like, your brain can wrap around the axle if that's the very first time you've heard it like if this if this cultivate your confidence is the first time you've come across that that's a bit of a mind mind warp and it, and you probably and often there can be we can we have some natural resistance to it you're like well no no like my boss is just a jerk that's just that's just the truth that's just capital t truth and it can be really interesting we start getting used to recognizing what i think about a situation and oh just one second here we might have a little bit okay here we go uh doing this with that oh okay i'm gonna leave okay here we got a little visitor here <laughs> hey monkey my little cheetah um let me set my call right now I would, I would love to take a moment to respond to, to Valerie and yes the chat. do that if you can yes I would love to do that so Valerie is saying um work with a director or I you are a director since last January comes with a lot of high expectations which you're used to and so you expect more of yourself and I don't know if you can chat any more about that but I wanted to offer that my husband recently noticed this about me I am constantly resetting a bar for myself and so I'll meet an expectation I'm like well that was easy I guess I'm not that great and so I'll raise the bar and then I'll do it again and then I'll do it again. And so I'm not even satisfying myself. I'm not even celebrating those wins because I might think, well, that was too easy. Um, and, I, and I'm still learning how to navigate that. But gosh, I'm much more aware that I do it now, that I'm literally constantly raising the bar on myself and I'm punishing myself, not celebrating my own wins. And I'm still learning how to do that. Okay, so I'm not going to claim to be an expert, but I feel like that's a really good thing for me to explore. How to celebrate those wins instead of disregarding them and then just raising the bar again. So I just offer that as something to chew on, but I don't have any answers yet. Still working on it. <laughs> that was so good. And we've got Valerie in the chat saying yes. So oh, it definitely resonated. Jennifer, did that bring up anything for you? Any thoughts you want to share? Yeah, well, I will say that I struggle extremely with um, uh, celebrating wins and even being able to articulate wins, to be honest. Um, the, the person that I was working with when I found Liz, um, I did a program and every week we had to come to the class and articulate what positive thing happened that week. And I'll be frank, I could never even find something to talk about <laughs> for myself. And so I will say that it really um, is important. I think what Leslie is saying in any regard and, and, 
and it's important as a director, especially to be able to, to really not only for yourself, but for your team. And I don't know if you manage a team of people or just yourself or whatever, to be able to really articulate um, expectations, to be able to bring that to the team and talk about, you know, what you did well that week as a team, as an individual, and talk about those things um, in positive ways and then and then talk about them. Because I think that everyone struggles with those things. And the more you can bring that to the surface and help people be able to do that as a leader is really, really important. That's kind of what that makes me think of. And I'm gonna share something. Um, Jennifer and Leslie, you might recognize this. So this is, so one of the weeks in boot camp, we talk about strengths and in the debrief, let me just check here because I saw a chat come in. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Valerie for posing the question. So let me just share, you all see my screen, right? Remember, do you remember this? I think Leslie's remembering this. So this is often what I find growth kind of feels like. And I reason I realized this was because so people, when they start boot camp, if they do, there's a, um, a self-discovery uh, journal and you can assess yourself as to where, where you are. And then at the end, we do the same. And over time, what I started noticing was people would come in and assess themselves like kind of like, oh, I'm a three or a four on this particular scale. And then by the end of the boot camp, they're up here, but then they come back as a mentor or they take mastermind or they work with me one-on-one -on -one, and they ask them to assess themselves and they assess themselves down here like wait what is going on here and so you know this is maybe not as quite we're not all aware of it but this is like growth ends up feeling like this like we and no one ever says they're a nine or a ten not in my world like never would I ever assume I'm a nine or a ten and you don't really end up feeling down here and this is what I realized here's what I want to share with everyone watching is that this is what growth usually looks like and this is what I realized what was happening is that we start out here at some point and we go to a 10 and then we go to the next level of whatever it is, whether it's strategic thinking, professional confidence, communication, um, budget, Leslie talked about budget earlier, whatever it is, you know, supervision, whatever. As, as we grow, of course we drop. Of course we're going to drop because we're at a different level, right? That's, a, it's um like, it sounds, this might sound a little bit bad, but it's almost like, the, the hubris involved to, for us to think that we would go to the next level and just automatically be at an eight. Of course, like, of, of course we're not there. And, but this is what's happening over time is that we're growing. But at each individual level, we might start out somewhere between, you know, maybe not at a, at a one, but somewhere lower on the scale, then we grow and then we move up a level and move up and move up and move up. So I just wanted to share share that with people, to share that concept that, we're, you know, we're constantly growing and we see room for growth and we can see the, the, um, the length that we've already grown. There's a, a concept and um, I haven't read the book yet. The book's a little bit more for entrepreneurs and like running a business um, and the mindset around that, but there's a concept called the gap and the gain. And the idea is that we're so often looking at the gap between where we are and where we want to be that we forget to look at the gain where we were and where we've gotten to. And that talks to Leslie, what you mentioned earlier, right? About like, sometimes I look back and realize like, goodness, look how far I've come. This is amazing, right? And no matter what that journey is, like our journeys are so interesting and so different. And especially if we've had any kind of confidence hits, right? Like I talk about that a lot on the registration page for this, for this event, but experiencing confidence hits, right? So sometimes you might look at the, at look at your, at the, at the, the gain, you look back, you're like, oof. Yeah, that was that was a deep gully I had to climb through to get here. Um, and oh, that okay. And now it came back to me, and I'm gonna look at the chat here in a second. Um, because something Leslie that you said, what made me think about, and we've talked about this recently on some of the mastermind different places. But if we're looking at something and we're feeling nervous about it or anxious, not really sure how it's going to go, or something's not going well, or we're having conflicts, or all those sorts of things. And we were feeling at the effect. So you're going to learn this sneak preview. You're going to learn about it on Thursday. It's called, uh, call it victim energy. When we are at the effect of things, things are impacting us. When that happens, what I love is to ask myself, like, kind of, it's like, sit down with myself. We're going to sit down and talk to each other here. We're going to have a little conversation. 
um, to Leslie's point, other point earlier about the, the, the two little voices we have, but it's to sit down and think, what's, what's the story I'm going to tell about this six months from now, 12 months from now, two years from now, five years from now, or this, you know, however things are happening, it's like, this is not the story. This is not my story. I have a different story to tell, and I'm going to make that story happen. And the actual circumstances might not go the way we, you know, necessarily want or plan for, but the emotional story or the energetic story of how I show up, I'm in charge of that story. I'm in charge of the story of how I showed up with this going on with the circumstances. And what is the story that I want to tell now? So I want to share that. Um, oh, and that was Leslie's comment in there about printing or drawing on the, and having on the fridge. Um, yeah. And do that so, so yeah so something to think about right when we're having these experiences having these situations the story I'm gonna I'm going to tell like a, a different variation of that story theme so again anyone who's here live with us whether you're here on zoom or in facebook please post your questions or thoughts I've got eyes on all places or if you're here on zoom you can do the raise hand if you want to come on live and chat and I can move you over um but Jennifer, what's what's coming up for you now with all the things we've been talking about? Well, I was just thinking when you said that, um, the exercise that we did once about the vision board is sort of similar to that, right? Because, um, you know, I feel like for me, um, it is hard to sort of envision um, what something's going to look like down the road. And so I... Um, I that exercise I was very surprised by because I really was like I'm not gonna like this is not gonna be a big deal for me or I'm not gonna you know really get much out of it <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I you know I sat down and said like what what do I want to you know see a change in my life or or something like that. I can't I can't really remember how I approached it, but I really just sat back and said you know how can I what what do I envision for myself? And, and I'll let you explain about the vision board. But um, for me, it was really just stopping and thinking about, um, I, I ended up going back through my photos and just looking at some pictures of myself and my favorite things. And it really gave me a moment to reflect on when have I been the happiest and in what experience. And all of a sudden, I have this like, is like it felt like a shift of like that's just how I physically want to feel and and how can I bring that feeling into my work and the attitude that I have and and how I'm going to move forward as I as I make these choices in my work and it it really made a a difference that that I wasn't expecting and so I think um, you know, Leslie's suggestion of printing that out and looking at it or, you know, doing these exercises where you actually write it down or or do it is something that we're sort of like, oh, you know, I sometimes do this where I'm talking and I'm like not going to do the exercise. I just think through it. But the actual act of of, of taking a pen to paper really um, just makes such a big difference. And I think pushes you into that next level where you can actually um, make a change that you didn't expect you were going to make. Actually, Jennifer's comment there is a nice segue to one of the other things that we're getting a little bit more tactical here, uh, maybe we'll see what your answers are, is um, for a lot of people, probably for most of us, is that we we want to do professional development, we want to do leadership development, or we want to take time and do the, do the things, but it just feels like we don't have enough time, right? It's just like everything's on fire, and we've got our personal lives, and every, we're trying to do everything, and and um, professional development or personal development kind of falls to the back burner, is like the last thing on the list. So I'd be curious to hear from the two of you, um, what would you what would you say if someone was like, oh, I'd love to do more this kind of uh, development work or self-discovery, but I, I just don't have the time for it. So I'd be curious what your thoughts are around that. Yeah, well, I will say that you have worked in a lot of flexibility into the boot camp uh, and that accessing the resources is pretty, it's, it's and pretty simple. Uh, and so even if you can't sit down for an hour, I found that if you can just sit down for 15 minutes 
and go through one part of it or revisit it. Um, that seems to really help. And, you know, and just being open about that with, with Liz, like let's say you signed up and it doesn't look like you're going to make a call. It's really helpful to, to just be upfront about that. And because Liz tends to work with people who are juggling a lot and uh, understands, I mean, her kiddo just walked in and it's perfectly normal to, to have that happen. And, you know, she's juggling that. So she gets it. And I'll just offer that. I've had nothing but good experiences if I've had to miss a call or I've had to catch up with somebody um, or catch up with Liz outside of the normal time. So it's, there's flexibility there. And she offers a lot of tactics too, to help you structure it in and maybe prioritize a little bit. Okay, well, what is the part of this that you really do want to work on? Let's focus on that. Let's focus on that. And then maybe if the, if the other stuff is less important. Um, I've also seen Liz like totally reframe an assignment to offer you different ways of going about it. There's just so much flexibility that works into this that you come out of it with, with a lot of stuff, even if you're strapped for time. Um, and then there's this one session I believe you offered, Liz. It was a whole calendar exercise on trying to create your calendar, work in your priorities. And, and that was really helpful, I have to say. So there's tools and tips and tricks and all kinds of things that you go through. But it's really important to be honest with yourself and upfront about it um, to help yourself prioritize. So, yeah, honesty with self is probably the most important thing. <laughs> this is what I yeah. really want to do. Or do I really need to be doing everything? Do I have to be everything to everybody while I learn? Um, there's a lot of important questions you have to ask yourself. So. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is if we extrapolate, um, because yeah, I mean, I love for people to join boot camp, but not everyone will. If you're extrapolating to looking at, if you're looking at your different options, looking for flexibility, so things that are flexible that aren't kind of expecting you to do 100% of everything all the time every week, that's going to take you six hours a week unless you have time for that, in which case you probably didn't care about this question in the first place. <laughs> um, so having flexibility and then that honesty with self. And there's, there's a piece there that was kind of a thread within Leslie's answer is that compassion for self and saying, you know, I can do that. I can do this. I can't do all of it. I can't give a hundred percent of myself because I've got a lot of other things going on, but I can give, I can give a bit and I can probably get a lot back giving a bit. That's a big thing I'm big on is the 80-20 rule. If anyone hasn't heard of it, where can I give 20% effort to get 80% impact or 80% return? And a lot of times, uh, a, a lot of times professional development, leadership development can be like that, is that, you know, because we can be like, oh, I, I can't give myself fully, so I won't do it. But if we even just do a bit of it, we get a huge return and you just do that over time and eventually you're going to get to that place instead of waiting for the perfect moment. Because for most of us, it's not really a perfect time for any for anything. There's no yeah. such thing as perfect timing for things. I know. Um, but you're so right, Liz. Like, that's what I meant, I think, by being honest with yourself and showing yourself some compassion. Are you, are you setting the bar really high and trying to keep everything at 100% while you also add something? I mean, they're all, I know that there are lots of scenarios and, and um, cases out there, especially with family care and things like that, that are really important. And I'm not saying, you know, ditch those. I, it's just, it's a matter of honesty with self and analysis. Do you really need to give 100% of yourself all the time to everything, everything else, while you're also trying to devote that energy to yourself and to your growth? All right, Jennifer, your thoughts, especially because I think you were coming, it was like 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. on a Saturday when you were coming. So you were you were fitting things in there. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I, I just found it to be very non-judgmental. And for me, that was really important because I'll be honest, I often didn't do all the assignments and I'm a perfectionist in my work life and my job. And so for me, um, you know, not always doing the most was really hard to do, but I think I had made a commitment to really just wanting to do better, you know, and so if doing better in my head meant showing up at 
eight o'clock or whatever time, nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. And that was the best I could do. Even if I hadn't read, read all the materials or done all the assignments, that was sort of the commitment that I made in my head. And honestly, I got so much out of those conversations and didn't feel judged or didn't feel like I was less than because I hadn't done the assignments that it worked, it worked out and, and having the option to continue to go through it multiple times and to be able to go back over the, the, um, materials and have access and being able to have, you know, conversations with people, you know, um, whether they were my mentors or just people that I had connected with offline and, and we had separate meetings with, we would go back and talk about things. So for me, I feel like that would be my advice is to just, if this is something that you feel is something that is needed in your life, because you feel out of control, or you feel like you want to make a difference that, um, however you can bring yourself to do one thing, that one thing will lead to the next one thing. Um, you know, that will lead to the next one thing, kind of like the little ladder that we just saw and, and you do, and you bring growth that way. And, um, you know, to have people that will support you in whatever you do is, is really nice because you can't necessarily always find that, um, in your job. And so this was a good place to do that for me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it probably is helpful when the coach is so not a perfectionist. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, no, it's, it is totally fine to show up. And, and, but that was the thing that I find, okay, I joke, but the bigger takeaway is that just how important it is to show up. And it, like, so often we, we kind of see like, oh, did I, did I do all the readings or did I do the exercise? And like, that is helpful. Like it's, there are definitely any program you go into, well, assuming you're looking at, um, uh, programs with people with the right backgrounds, they've all been thought through, right? The, all the exercises, everything there is for a reason, but you don't have to do everything. I prompt, like you, and in fact, that, that actually speaks to the other piece I talked about, like getting used to making decisions without all the information, getting used to showing up without having done everything and being okay with it. And also showing up with that self-compassion and being like, because a lot of people I find come to these programs used to with that high bar of expectations, doing everything, not just doing everything, but doing it perfectly. And so it is a bit challenging to go into a program and be like, oh, it's okay if I didn't get everything done. And, and that can be even a transformation of getting used to that. If you're very busy looking for a program that has flexibility and that you can show up without ha having to have done everything and then that is a good practice in taming the inner perfectionist. Okay, we're coming right up onto the hour here. So what last thoughts do either of you want to share about this topic around confidence and overcoming the imposterism? Just in short, what I would say is that, you know, confidence is definitely something that you is, is internal and you can't let other people drive your confidence, but we all do that. And so, you know, having the ability to have tools or a toolbox where you can go to and be able to control your thought process in, in that, that world and in feeling confident is just so important because if you're even thinking a little bit about this, right? If you're on this call, if you're listening to this conversation, if you're at the end of this recording, it's obviously important. This topic is important to you. And so you've you've started the conversation. And so therefore, um, you know, finding tools that can help you navigate the space, I think, is is the first step. And so I think, you know, the odds are you you are somebody with confidence and you need to just sort of work through it to find that. Um, and and whether it's a program like this or reading books or talking to your friends or family or going out and taking a hike or doing whatever it is to, to make yourself, you know, just feel secure in the moment. I think that, um, you know, it's really important to just feel confident in, in the work that you do. So. Thank you, Leslie. This gets back to uh, the question around one of the changes that I've seen happen. And that is embracing those strengths that I have instead of fighting them. 
not everybody has had that, but coming from a science background, but also realizing that I love working with people and I don't necessarily need to be that quiet scientist that is just over there by themselves. I always envision leadership in the wildlife world as being that quiet published scientist that never really talks to people. And I was very short-sighted because we need a lot more people that have empathy skills and can connect with human beings in the conservation world. And I didn't realize I had those skills. And so I always sort of shunned them because they seemed like soft skills, you know? Well, it turns out those are really needed. And so that actually, learning that I had something to offer gave me confidence. And I don't think I would have really understood that I had those skills if I hadn't gone to go through this self-discovery journey. So really understanding who you are and what what does come easy for you so that when you're in those blue squares that in the in the zones that Liz talks about in her video and you're stretching out into a non-comforting zone, remembering those strengths that you bring to the table, gosh, that really helps not feel as overwhelmed because you can lean into those things that you're just, that, that come more naturally to you or that you do very well. Um, and that is so grounding and beautiful and that grounding gives you confidence. And so I just explore what those strengths you do have and how you can apply them. And that is a great way to reinforce the confidence that you have. Amazing. Well, thank you both. Thank you on behalf of everyone who is here live and everyone catching the replay. Super, super fun to have you here. Have yourself a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Now, before you go, make sure you click to follow the show. This way, you don't have to go looking for the latest episode. I'll come to you. Just click the plus button or the follow, and you'll get the latest episode fresh off the press. Thanks again. And remember that you are amazing. Now get out there and rise.